0: Hey guys, uh, welcome back to Merlison, a bi-weekly podcast for BBC's Merlin, where we discuss the show, the characters, the episodes, and this week we have a brand new topic, which is ships. And of course, we've got to start with mine and Momo's favourite. We are completely in love with these two, and it's Merlin and Arthur. It's the biggest ship of the show, and we love them. But we do have a quick disclaimer. This is going to be our first two-parter episode. While recording this, we unfortunately realized that we have less chill than we thought, (laughs) and we now have a three-hour episode, which we do not want to burden you guys with. So this first episode of part one will be focused on... The Merlin and Arthur that we see in canon, their relationship as we see, what we like and what we dislike, our squeeze and our criticisms, as it were, as well as our favourites, quotes, episodes, etc. as they appear in the show. And in part two, you'll be able to enjoy all our thoughts about the fandom aspect of the ship and their modern incarnations. So I'm Miss Snowfox.
1: And I'm a motastic, And this will be Merliscent.
0: Great to have you back with us. Um before we get started, I just want to uh, thank all of you guys that are following us on Tumblr because yesterday we reached 100 followers on Tumblr, which is a pretty exciting time to be recording this episode because it's going to be Murtha and we've reached 100 followers, which is amazing. So hope you guys are all listening regularly and enjoying the podcast. Last week, we received another comment on our Woo!
1: website. Thank you so much. This comment was made by AR and they had some really interesting things to say on our episode about Merlin as a character. And I think
0: Rox has something she wants to say. <laughs> um, I always have something to say about Merlin. Come on now. That's um, <laughs> to be fair. But uh, no, I just thought it was interesting. She mentioned, uh, because, I mean, we had the discussion, didn't we, about how he doesn't necessarily show remorse for killing... Um or anything like that but he but he's shown she pointed out that he had shown remorse um when he uh, when the unicorn was killed even though it wasn't necessarily him that killed it and he's shown to be you know deeply moved by that and um I thought that was a really interesting point because that is actually really consistent throughout the show that he doesn't really seem to get bothered by humans dying but any magical a human or magical creature, He's seen to be really affected by it. So we have, you know, the unicorn. We also have him being really affected by seeing Freya in the cage. And she's a Druid girl. He doesn't want to kill Mordred because he's one of his kind. Obviously the thing with Morgana, you know, affects him throughout the whole hiatus between season two and three. And um, we've got countless instances of him kind of feeling, huge amounts of pain and remorse for either having to um, harm people of his kind or when they die. I'm thinking as well of um, season five. Ah, No one remembers season five because it's not good. So (laughs) I can't remember. I can't remember the episode. But what's the is it a lesson in vengeance or the hot? No, the hollow queen where you've got that little kid that betrays him, like immobilizes him. With that poison. Yeah, I think that's uh possibly the hollow you you're talking about Daigal. Yeah, 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 I think, yeah, I think the that's the Hollow Queen. Yeah, because that's the last one before um Arthur finds out that like she's evil. Yeah. Um and uh, when he eventually dies, Merlin's just like like heartbroken, like he just can't believe that it's happened. But yeah, so that's kind of again, feeds right back into our theory of he cares about his own. He cares um, about what's important to him and his magical kin more than kind of people that are just people kind of, you know, not really that important. I don't know, maybe that's I just-
1: want to sorry, I want to strongly disagree. Okay. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> um because it's true that he cares about the death of all these uh people and creatures that you've mentioned but only because they were in his opinion good or innocent people. Mm. Like, he kills uh, the fae inside of Elena without a second thought, which is a magical being. He kills the griffin, because the griffin is attacking people and eating them. And, you know, he uh, and the, uh, the chimera and countless other magical beings or even magical people, he you know kills or or doesn't feel any remorse over wanting to kill because in his opinion they got it coming like even you mentioned Morgana and Mordred that is true as long as Morgana and Mordred aren't evil like later on um when Morgana has turned against Arthur Merlin you know i will say that maybe he's conflicted but i don't think he's actually like he's um more willing to harm her than he was before because now she is the evil one in his in his mind. And mm. same with Mordred when Mordred comes back in season five as an adult, or near as <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, you know, he's a puppy. But um when he comes back as an older Mordred and Merlin has already heard over and over and over again that Mordred is the one to kill Arthur Merlin is so mistrusting of Mordred And doesn't really Mm. give him an inch And, you know So, yeah He does feel remorse But only when the creature or the person That is killed Not necessarily just by him But also by other people Mm. um, Then he feels remorse Like he's upset about uh, Gwen's father's death He's upset about the stable boy Tyr's uh, death The one who got uh, Mm. assassinated by Gwen herself, uh, like brainwashed Gwen herself, you know. So he feels upset about these people, even though they are not magical, but he Mm. feels upset about their death because in his mind they were innocent and they didn't deserve to die. But other people that he believes deserving of this punishment, no regret or
0: like none that we see. So, I'm not sure, though, because I think like, I mean, I truly support the notion that he completely does believe that Morgana has turned against them all in the fires of Ada Sholas or however you pronounce that. Like, that's why he tries to kill her, because he's completely like he, you know, I don't think he thinks that she's. No, no, and that... innocent at all. No. But it's but it's that line that she's crossed of, okay, you you know, whatever, but now you've put Arthur in harm's way and I can't and, and like he's more important than your life, so you have to go. But it doesn't it doesn't come easy to him. And even when she comes back and she's proved that she's like completely not willing to like, you know, kind of go back to the way things were, he confronts her in that um Basement, and he's like, we can find another way. It doesn't. It doesn't yeah, have because to be he like still
1: this. believes her capable of being good, but that changes over time. Like, watch season five, and or oh, I know, or even late season four, Merlin doesn't like as long as he thinks that Morgana is good. Like, like you said in the fires of Shalas, uh, he doesn't want to kill Morgana because he thinks Morgana is evil. He doesn't actually want to kill her, but he doesn't see another way, of. Ending this curse on Camelot, like he believes that killing Morgana is the only way out of it, and he doesn't want to do it, but it's the only way he can—he can see to save everyone else, especially Arthur, but also everyone else because everyone is affected, not just not just Arthur. And it's like one life uh, versus many lives in this case. And then in season three, he—he's so anxious about what Morgana will think of him and you know wants to wants to be her friend again mm. and then he tries to you know see the good in her or turn her back like you know she's she is conflicted or he thinks she's conflicted hopes that she's conflicted and then he can turn her back to to being good mm. but that fails and when that fails like when he doesn't see any way for her to become good again he's over it. He's like, no. <laughs> like I'm thinking especially of um what's that episode where we first meet Elian um in season what is that?
0: The three? Castle of
1: Therian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When when they all ride out and Merlin doesn't want Morgana to come with them because he doesn't trust Morgana and I'm like this these are like the first signs where he's like Morgana like he knows Morgana has turned against them, and he doesn't mm. want her near them because yeah. he doesn't trust her, and he'd rather she didn't come along. Like he's willing to injure her, yeah, so she can't go on. Like that there is, is true. there is, you know,
0: he's... that is like that. That is entirely true because, of course, he doesn't trust her. But uh like I almost don't want to mention this because it's something I'm going to mention, like in in the theme of this episode. But I'll just quickly kind of point it out that like that's that's all true but don't forget he's willing to bring Morgana back from the dead because of how much pain it's causing Arthur to see her dying like everything that he does or the majority of the choices that he makes are for him and to like make sure he's happy and safe so everyone else kind of comes as a close second and I think for a long time Morgana was up there with someone that he not only cared about as a person, but also as kin, like family of like magic. So I think that he probably is walking a really complicated line with his relationship with her because, on the one hand, she's someone that was r- very important to him, but also is magical, but on the other hand, now threatens the most important person to him. So his relationship with how he deals with her and any kind of remorse is really complicated because, like, you know, it's kind of like, like you said, there's only so much he can kind of forgive before it's like, you're going to put Arthur's life in danger and I've got to take you out, basically. But that doesn't, I don't think that necessarily means that he's, I don't think he's doing it because she's become evil. I think he's doing it because she poses a threat to Arthur or other people that he loves, like Gaius or Gwen or stuff like that, because If it was about her being evil, he would have just let her die in the Crystal Cave, which he should have done, but he didn't, because of how much pain it was causing.
1: To be honest, you said it yourself, he saves her not because he cares necessarily about her, it's because he cares about Arthur's pain. Yeah. Like, so, that's not remorse for what happened to Morgana, necessarily, that's remorse for how what happened Morgana affects Arthur.
0: Yeah, because she's obviously tried to kill him already, so it's kind of like where, where before he might have been able to say, okay... I really want to bring you back to the good side. Please, let's work this out. It's yeah. like, you know, there's only so much he can take. But he's so com- but he's such a complicated character to kind of get your head around. It's yeah. kind of like, hang on, once you unravel one thread, there's like a million more. Yeah. We could easily but, do another
1: yeah. episode on Merlin. <laughs> but I
0: think we will I would love that. But I think we'll probably agree that he does tend to in in, in the most kind like the majority of the time show a bit more remorse or care for people that are magical or creatures than he does for people that aren't apart from like Merlin, Arthur, uh, sorry, apart from Arthur, Gwen and, and Gaius. Like I think most of the time he kind of really only is seen to like all his really important character episodes are revolving around people that are like magical I, I mean, think, you like, know,
1: that's because he himself is yeah.
0: magical and that's what the writers chose to do.
1: I'd still say that it doesn't really matter to him as much whether a person is magical or not, as long as they are in his eyes innocent or good people. Like <clears throat> that's that's my opinion. But you know, <laughs> let's we should move on because yeah. we've been talking about this thank you, AR. For you know, uh, getting this conversation rolling again. <laughs>
0: yeah, I I was I was worried that might happen because I so, I love.
1: It. <laughs> we're gonna move on and we're gonna have some news before we dive into the topic. But first, let's have some news. The Merlin Art Fest has extended its sign-ups until the 14th of January. If you still want to sign up for this fest, check out their Tumblr. Real Merlins having a mandatory check-in. If you've signed up for this challenge, please go to the Life Journal and check in. The Winter Nights Anonymous Master List is up. Go and check it out on Life Journal to see what fabulous fan works have been posted for this challenge. And finally, the community Merlin Forever on Life Journal is hosting weekly rewatches for any and all fans to join. Check out their journal for more information on when, how, and what to watch. They're currently on season 4, but the rewatch starts over every time they finish, so you can join whenever you like. Alright, now let's talk about Merthyr. Yee! Yee! <laughs> A.K.A. a fictional masterpiece. Fair disclaimer, both Fox and I are huge Merthyr shippers, so yep. <laughs> we cannot promise to be entirely objective, but we will try our we'll try. best. Like,
0: like guys... And is literally like, if I had a list of top 10 couples of all time, like fictional couples of all time, they're on the What do you mean, if you ten. had, you have a list? I don't know what you mean. I don't make lists when I'm bored. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, if they you are had on... such a list, yes. <laughs> they're on the list. I, I haven't reviewed it in a while, but they are probably in the top five, guys. Like, not even in Justin Merlin of all time. So I'm sorry <laughs> in advance. <laughs> that doesn't mean i can't be critical i can and i will be but i love them and they are perfect so all right so kind of just to maybe dip our toes into you know talking about the ship maybe we should start with kind of how and when we started shipping it i know we briefly kind of went over this or i did anyway in the in the first episode but maybe it's just worth actually taking a bit of time and saying it so what about you how did you get into the, the you know soul destroying entity that is this <laughs> goddamn parent? Yeah.
1: Uh, um, I was just thrown into the deep end right from the from the start because the first time I watched Merlin, I watched with a friend and she was already shipping Merther. Ah. So I I was already biased right from the start and like we watched it and I was like, yeah, sure, I ship it. Like I wasn't even hardcore shipping it I was just like yes I'm aware this is a ship that is possible and um so I just went with it and then she she sent me a few stories to read and I think one of the first one if not the first one was probably crown of the summer court by astolat that I read so um I just I like I said I got thrown into the deep end and That was it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I was there from the start, like, uh, as a Merthyr shipper um, with less, like, less hardcore than I am now. But still, if I were to ship anything in the show, it would always have been Merthyr, probably.
0: My journey was a bit less conventional (laughs) because, (laughs) like, I've already pointed out, so I won't go into it too much. If you want to hear about my journey into the Merlin fandom, listen to episode one. But this was my first fandom experience, not my first experience with reading fic, but my first experience in a fandom in the sense that, you know, when you're a fandom kind of contributor and experiencer, you don't necessarily ship what's canon. And that was completely new to me, you know, like I, you know, when you watch movies or TV or just, you know, as we've already discussed, you're kind of brainwashed into just accepting what's in front of you, pairing wise and that was definitely the case for me for everything I watched and I was already reading fic on ffnet um like from all the movies I liked but for me it was actually uh it was always Merlin and Gwen and Arthur and Morgana like they were the ones I loved and they were the ones I was looking for fic for all the time and there was nothing there so I was thinking who on earth are people reading about then if they're not reading about these two and turns out they were reading about these two guys (laughs) and I was like because I just had no idea that like because I took it as what they wanted us to take it which was their best friend and I was like no you're ruining everything (laughs) (laughs) I was and I remember my best friend at the time like I was falling for this show faster than a girl falls for a guy with a guitar like honestly (laughs) like (laughs) yeah I'm one of those girls shoot me you know whatever everyone has a weakness um and I was um you know I kept saying to oh I love this show and I love these characters and I love their bond but have you seen the stuff people are writing online and I was just like and I wanted to read stories about them in them and like about their banter and I like just to to just get more about what you know what what they were doing on screen like you know with the jokes and stuff but I was just so scared of like reading anything more let's put it that way (laughs) like I was just like (laughs) no because they're like brothers and I was so in denial like honestly and um kind of I think honestly I think I started shipping Martha out of desperation because I had nothing else in like because I was so knees deep in the fandom by then and it's hard being in a fandom when your ship is not the main one like if you're if you're kind of like not really that deep in the fandom it's not too bad like you can kind of be like be involved very casually but if you are Actually, in a fandom, like you, you need to be experiencing some kind of ship, and I really wasn't getting anything from mine. I and mean, were
1: that's the sorry, that's the plight of every non murther shipper in in our fandom. Like, literally, ask anyone who doesn't primarily ship murther in this fandom. <laughs>
0: exactly. I mean, I feel like Arthur and Gwen fans always had their own corner, and like, I I knew a couple of Arthur and Gwen fans, like that was their OTP, and they were having a like. A very okay time. Like I, I mean, I don't know about thick because I've never tried to hurt myself by looking. But um, I uh, <laughs> oops, sorry. Um, but like I know a lot of like Arthur and Gwen Vidders that like, and there's a lot of material for them on um on YouTube and stuff. I don't know about like the actual like literature and like pod fic side of things, but you know, I feel like you know they they get an okay rep, like kind of rep in the fandom. But yeah, it took me a while. I was kind of like, oh, I don't know, and then. I genuinely wish I could remember, like, that progression, but I just can't. And the only thing I do remember is the first time I actually was like, oh, no, I really shipped them, was um in The Last Dragon Lord. I remember that being the first. No, I, no, 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 no. It wasn't that. It was, I think it was The Fires of Edith Showless because I remember him being like, oh, your first battle wound, and him, like, putting the thing on his arm, and... At that point, I was like, oh, that's so cute. And my friend being like, no, that's like a big brother, like, putting a Band-Aid on his, like, little brother. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I was already by that point. And then The Last Dragon Lord, I was, I was gone. I watched that episode on vacation. I was in Poland and I couldn't load it onto YouTube. And like that scene between them, like in the tavern, like where they're like, oh, we could have been good friends and all the rest of it. It was, I was just dying. And just the entire thing. I was like, I'm so gone for these two. I'm so whipped for these two. I swear to God. And then, yeah, the, the hiatus between two and three was my basically like devouring everything Mertha related. And there was no other ships from them from from that point on ever. So, yeah, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel eventually, but it took a while. It took like. Yeah, I started watching the show when Lancelot and Guinevere aired, and it took me to the end of the se- uh, the second season to kind of get on board, so.
1: Oh dear, that was a long time to get on board, honestly. Yeah,
0: I was a very, like, young, naive Catholic girl. <laughs> it was, like, you know, a lot to take on. <laughs> But like, and I was only 17 as well. So I was just like, and I'd never shipped a Slash pairing before ever. So that was my first Slash pairing, my first fandom, my first non-canon shipping. There was a lot going on. I was like, <laughs> a lot. So these two are very special to me. So um, yeah, that was kind of my l- long story, much longer than Momo's. But like I said, mine was a bit more untraditional. But I mean, we always like to end things on a positive. So why don't we talk about maybe our criticisms because it's you know it's it's okay to criticize what you love guys you know so let's talk about what maybe we don't enjoy about the ship and i know you've got your own kind of personal beef so i'll let you go first
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i don't really want to go into it too deeply because that is just like going down a rabbit hole for me uh so yeah my first one is their power dynamic like. Uh, like, this is strictly about the, the show, not the fandom, just uh, the canon, um, the power dynamic, and I just find it really... Like, I know that, especially in later seasons, um, you know, Arthur teasing Merlin and Merlin insulting Arthur's intelligence, for example, or even his looks is mostly just them doing their thing and both of them knowing that they don't actually mean it. It's just how they show, um, quote-unquote, affection. Um, But especially in the early seasons when they don't know each other that well yet, it's just... uh, I just hate how Arthur treats Merlin. And I also hate how um, Merlin treats Arthur when he... When he has the power, like there aren't that many instances where Merlin has power over Arthur, where he can like, you know, actually make use of this power over Arthur. I'm thinking of, of course, of um, The Sword in the Stone, when Arthur's will is taken away from him and he becomes this sweet, naive, affectionate person who, you know, isn't his usual self. Who's just uh, just this really sweet person who hugs trees and, and agrees with everything Merlin says. And Merlin is just really mean to him. Because Merlin sees this opportunity to tell Arthur um, everything he likes about how badly he feels treated by Arthur. And, and it's not like this Arthur can do anything about it except say sorry, which he does. And it's just, okay, I'm getting emotional. No, I know. I guess,
0: I guess, maybe because obviously he doesn't know what the lasting effects of that spell will be, so I guess he's hoping that maybe he'll remember, like, that when Arthur snaps out of it, he'll actually remember what was said and that it might af- change his behavior towards Merlin in the future and he'll learn a lesson when a- he actually doesn't remember any of it. So he probably is thinking, well, you know it's a chance for me to kind of teach him this is what it feels like when you do this to me because it doesn't get through to him any other way and it's not fair but I guess it would it you know he was thinking well you know this really gets to me and and I have to do this every day and this is how I feel every day so maybe it wouldn't hurt if he got a taste of his own medicine and I I mean I guess it's not right but I can kind of see the logic behind it maybe
1: Hmm. Okay. It's I don't know, I'll, but it's not, I'll, let, I'll let you. Not fair. I'll let. Yeah. No. I just. Um. Yeah. I just. I don't like it. And then the same with, which is slightly less problematic in my eyes, but still kind of awful. Like when Merlin is a, uh, like turns into a dragoon degrade. Like I mean, it's it's less of a problem because Arthur is still himself and he doesn't know it's Merlin. So when Merlin insults Arthur while Merlin is in his Old man disguise. It's different because this author. Is very much able to defend himself. And who is very much aware. Of who he is. And how he treats servants. It's just that you know. Merlin kind of. Like in my eyes. Merlin often takes the high horse. And is like well author treats everyone so poorly. And author is always so mean. And then he turns around and does the exact same thing. The moment he gets the chance to do it. Which is like that's not how you do it! Like, that's is not how you actually improve someone's behavior. But this aside, like, this is the thing that bothers me about about the pairing in canon. And I... Which is part of the reason why I don't read that much canon fanfic. Because the power dynamic is, is, is a thing that bothers me a lot in canon. And not all stories manage to actually make them equals in a way that I can get on board with where I'm like, there is no like, where I can believably get into it like, I talked to you about this, rocks before the this story, Truth is a Whisper which I used to really like and then I listened to it because it's, uh, it's available as part fake by at least three different readers and i think i've listened to all three versions in the span of like 2 weeks so i've listened to this story a lot in a short amount of time and um i just came to really dislike it because of the power dynamic between them how merlin when he has like the power over arthur in a in a sexual way it just kind of Uses it like it's it's not it's not non-consensual sex that they're having, but it's but it's in, in some in some instances it's like borderline where Merlin is like you will like this, and he doesn't really give Arthur the chance to really think about this or experience it before Merlin just basically uh, does it to him, and I'm like ah this is where what I'm talking about that where when Merlin gets the chance. He's as bad as Arthur with the power, like, with abusing his power. And I'm using these words lightly because he's not really abusing author, But it's, uh, you know, that is, that is an issue for me. So, like, I had listened to it once before and then once again. And then we started talking about it. And then you pointed out that there are different versions of it. And I ended up listening to it a bunch of times. And that's when, when it really hit home how much it bothers me because when i listened to it the first time i probably didn't notice it as much and the second time i did notice it but it didn't bother me too that much but then i kept listening to it and that's when it started bothering me because i was like the more i thought about it the more it bothered me so and and it's the same that's like that's the thing with the show for me too because the first time i watched the show i probably noticed it like the power dynamic thing but it didn't bother me as much, and then I got back into the fandom, and I was spoiled by all this, by all this fluffy fanfic. Honestly, especially because I kept because I mostly read modern AUs. Even in the beginning, I mostly read modern AUs rather than canon stories. And um, I mean, I got back into it via podfic, which is you know also another thing where I listen to a lot of podfics that also have them portrayed more as equals. Um, one of them being Crown of the Summer Court, where Merlin basically ends up being elf royalty, so they're clearly equals there. Um, so then I rewatched the show, and that's when it really, like, when I really noticed it, and when I got deeper into fandom and and uh, you know kept looking at things in canon versus what I'm experiencing in fanfic. And that's when it really hit home. So, you know, the more I look at it, the more I noticed it. And that's when it, yeah, that's when it really hit home that in canon, I kind of really don't want them to be together most of the time. Because I'm like, no, Arthur, you're being awful to (laughs) Like, ah, okay. So yeah, so the power dynamic, I also wrote down the name-calling, but this goes with, you know, Arthur being awful to Merlin, and and Merlin being right back awful at Arthur, but like, especially in the beginning, when Arthur calls Merlin uh, names, or insults him, then that has much more weight than when Merlin does it, because for Merlin there's always, like, a risk, because he's insulting the crown prince, or he's insulting the king, so... Merlin knows he can get away with it with Arthur later on. But even in the beginning, like, even when Merlin does it to Arthur any time, it doesn't have the same kind of weight that that it has when Arthur does it to Merlin. Because Arthur is the one with the power in this relationship, again. Uh, whether you want to see this relationship as romantic or plat- platonic or whatever, you know, Arthur is the one with the power in a relationship. So when he calls Merlin names... It's different than when Merlin calls author names. And that's... Yeah. And that ties in with the whole power dynamic thing that I already talked about at length. So, yeah. That's 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 honestly my main beef with this pairing. Like, everything... And even in later seasons, we talked about this in the author episode, where, you know, in later seasons, especially season four and then five, especially season five where they insult each other and make fun of each other and we as the viewers can read in their faces and in the way they act with each other that this is uh, a well-worn routine they have where they use this as code to express that they're being affectionate with each other and like you know poking good-natured fun at each other and it's not it's not actually meant to insult
0: or are in the they beginning... uses the like i'm i'm the king to get away to get out of having to tell Merlin the truth about something or doing something which he is the king and he shouldn't need to explain himself to anyone but he still exactly. feels like he but, needs that's, to.
1: but you know this is with 10 years history of being friends of being loyal to each other of, of having gone through a lot of things together for 10 years Where he's in the beginning I'm thinking especially season one two and even three which is only like like because there's this this one year gap between season 2 and 3. So um at the end of season 3 we have like 4 years of relationship between them. Like this is a time span where I'm like especially season 1 and 2 where they haven't known each other that long when they insult each other that has weight. That has meaning. That isn't just to make fun of each other, like not to just to be, you know, horsing around with each other. That's actually insulting because in the beginning you can't know that they mean this any different way than how it sounds
0: yeah and especially when arthur does it to merlin you can see it really hurts like when 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 he thinks he's just getting through to him and then he comes out with you're my servant and it's just like oh even thinking of season two like right the
1: beginning of season two when merlin wakes up in horse shit an author doesn't believe him over over this new dude Cedric that just showed up out of nowhere and has been basically crawling up authors butt <laughs> the moment they he he lay eyes on him and then Merlin is just like why can't like why can't Arthur see that all I want to do is, is serve him
0: and and protect him and I'm just like my heart is breaking because I Arthur know because but I Arthur
1: fo- like oh I fucking Arthur's love st- that
0: scene for how much it hurts though but it's yeah. so unfair but
1: Arthur like Arthur says these things and like I think from Arthur's point of view he's just like poking fun at Merlin I don't think Arthur actually means to replace Merlin with Cedric Mer- Arthur is just like. Oh, I'll I'll make uh, I'll have some fun and you know yank Merlin's chain while Merlin is actually concerned that Arthur doesn't value him, and that's the that's the thing that Arthur just doesn't realize what privilege he has, what rank he holds. Which brings us back to hashtag hidden themes.
0: Yeah, class. Uh, class. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Exactly. So yeah, this is my uh, this is my beef with this ship. Which you know, if you ride especially season one, two, three canon fic, and I like it, then this is like a mark of how great a writer you are because that means that you made me believe that this ship was like healthy <laughs> and consensual and and a good choice for uh for these two characters this early on. Like more it's more likely that I'll I'll be into Canon A.U.s than I'm into actual slice of life canon fig. One canon fig I like, which I will wreck at this moment because I didn't write it down for later wrecks is um Privilege of Rank by Separus, which was also one of the first figs I read, I believe, which is about uh well, privilege of rank, but not author's privilege of rank. It's about Merlin's privilege of rank because Merlin is Arthur's personal servant. He's the crown prince's personal servant. And he is not aware at the beginning that he has privileges with this. And an author makes a point of pointing out to Merlin that Merlin has power over other servants. Like, Merlin is allowed to delegate tasks. Like, for example... Lugging up bath bath water to oh I think chambers. I read
0: this this
1: it, is a yeah. it's a great story has it's it an been amazing... I feel like it has no I don't oh. think it has or if it has I don't remember who may have done it but it's a great story where I like Merlin is still a servant in this story but it like over the course of the story you realize that Arthur while being aware that Merlin is his personal servant is much more regarding him as an equal because merlin is like the head servant of all of of uh, the servants that are supposed to serve arthur in any way so like merlin is pretty high up in the ranks of servants so he's much more of an equal to arthur than any of the other servants and this is a really great story with again hashtag class as hidden things because you even have a hierarchy among the servants and that's a really good story I will link to it in our post
0: I I really like that I mean before you go on to your next dislike I'm just going to mention one of mine because it kind of feeds into what you're saying and I feel like the reason why I don't have as much of an issue with it I think is because my biggest dislike which is also something that Bradley has spoken out about many a time is the reset button being at the beginning of season two and I would argue three he he came out during interviews and said oh season three we can't press the reset button things have to move forward mostly because Morgana's evil now but actually for their relationship not much has changed um and it's till season four that we really start to see some true development of like respect and um in my opinion I don't mind much about the power dynamic simply because if it's a device to make the relationship grow and develop I'm I'm all for it like if we had it in early seasons where they were quite nasty to each other or the power dynamic was something that was really holding them back go for it it's a good plot point it's you know really satisfying to watch it develop and to see Arthur to see him as you know not just a servant. But the problem is, is when it doesn't actually change. <laughs> That's where I really don't like it. So we don't really see it develop much at all, arguably up until, I'd say, season four or five, like maybe even five, where we really see them as much more equal. And he's got his own kind of footing. He's like, you know, really tight with the knights and they understand their dynamic and all of that, um, you know, if it had just been season one, I would have been completely okay with it because I think you need somewhere to start. You can't start with respect because that's just not good for like character development. But where I don't like it is where, like I said, they just press the reset button because their banter is really funny. No, it's not really funny because it's really problematic. And like you said, for, for all the reasons that you just mentioned. So I feel like, do you think you would agree that it maybe wouldn't have bothered you if it had been there on purpose to then have there be room for development. And if there had been that development, would you say that would have been a been a different story? Yeah, yeah,
1: it would have. And it would also have been different if someone else, for example, Morgana, who is of almost, if not entirely equal status as Arthur, who, especially in the first two seasons, before, you know, she is brainwashed by Morgos into becoming someone else. um, Because Morgana is you know uh like her best friend in the first two seasons is Gwen a servant Morgana is very much on the side of servants and if even Morgana had called out Arthur on how he treats Merlin you know even just occasionally like twice every season you know that would have been enough like if if we had seen any of this development that Arthur is being called out on how he treats servants on occasion especially Merlin then I would feel better on it but like you said the reset button gets pushed every time and it just all reverts back and it's just there is no development and I mean there is sort of development like in later seasons where I said in in season 5 it doesn't have the same connotation for me as it did in season 1 when they insult each other because by then they have 10 years of history between them or behind them and and by now they should know that it's different, uh, but like especially in earlier seasons where we we do see some character development for Arthur, from becoming like from being a spoiled, privileged prince to someone who is or slowly becoming aware of his own shortcomings, of his own pride, and how he needs to put these things aside. For the sake of his people, or just in general, other people, you know, it would have been really great to see how he goes from being someone who regards servants as playthings, to put it really drastically, to someone who learns to respect servants and not just, you know, when it serves him and his self righteousness.
0: Yeah, that's true oh dear (laughs) it's a shame but you know that's what fic is for i suppose but yeah i mean (laughs) it doesn't really like i think that it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you just because i see it as a really good opportunity for like really good like angsty miscommunication kind of fic where like and like i'm not going to get into it now because we will move on to things we like but i love the kind of tropes with ships where they don't talk about their feelings and so the kind of power dynamic class difference is a really good catalyst for that trope because there are certain things they can't talk about because of their class difference and it's really good because it kind of makes it really dramatic and so I feel like for my own selfish reasons it doesn't bother me as much but it like I definitely appreciate like the moments in the later seasons even though I don't like the seasons as a whole but I appreciate that they can joke and it's not a big deal like you know oh i haven't seen you smile these past three days or oh i've offended him or you know all those really lovely moments that we have where it's just you know there's no threat of him you know blowing off and like having a huge temper tantrum as there was in the earlier ones definitely that's nice to watch (laughs)
1: yeah yeah hey you have one more
0: one more thing don't you yeah um So, the magic reveal. Um, I'm not going to get into the Diamond of the Day part two, because obviously we're doing episode reviews and we'll get to it eventually. But because it will take years, seeing as it's the final episode, I'll just briefly go into it here, shall I? Um, The episode itself is great. Like, structurally... I mean it has a couple of problems. Percival starts going off after Morgana and then we never see him again, which is very weird, but never mind. Um literally he goes to get revenge for Gwen and we never see what happens or where he ends up. It's like they just cut that out because they needed the they didn't have enough time. It's really he, funny. He
1: came he came back because he realized Gwen like Gwen called for him and Percy turned around and just Took Gwayne and took him home because Gwayne was in a coma. Wayne isn't dead. Gwayne is fine.
0: Of course, I forgot. <laughs> I live in this land where Gwayne you know is fine. I legitimately some like obviously like it's very much drummed into me that Arthur died, but like I sometimes forget that Gwayne died, and then I think about it sometimes, and I'm like, for fuck's sake! <laughs> like, Merry Christmas! Like seriously. Oh yeah, it's a good time to be discussing it because Christmas Eve is like on Sunday, so yeah. Um, but. The episode itself is really great. It's fan service at its best. It really is. Um, unfortunately, like story-wise and narrative-wise, it makes absolutely no sense. And that's why I have a really love-hate relationship with that finale because everything that was set up for us doesn't come true. The whole point of setup is for payoff. That is a screenwriter's one hundred and one setup and payoff. And we got no payoff. We got nothing. The payoff of a magic reveal is not fair when it's in your last episode and the actual resolution and the catharsis between these two characters takes place during one conversation because that is really the only conversation where they are equals finally is when he's dying because he's still not accepted it throughout all the other moments. He's still coming to terms with it. And even though it's beautiful to watch and I'd never take back any of those scenes, it either needed a sixth season or it should have happened much earlier. Like I genuinely get angry when I hear that they were planning on not revealing it ever. I don't understand how that idea was ever taken seriously and how they thought that that would be entertaining to an audience because of course, keep the magic secret is a tagline. That's really fun for a while, (laughs) but like, when you live basically on top of someone for 10 years, it's just ridiculous to assume that they're not going to find something out about you or any of the other people that you are around, you know? And it's really, like, like find out when it's convenient for the plot. So Gaius finds out, Lancelot finds out, you know, all, you know, all these other characters, Mordred, you know, but never Arthur because protagonist, you know, and it's like, I just have so much like kind of really like it's sadness because that again, we use the P word all the time. Potential. There was so much potential. They said, well, we ended after five seasons because that was all the story we had to tell. Bullshit. You had so much more story that you could have told just through that one reveal. Like and I just think it was cheap. It was a cheap shot to the audience. It was a cheap shot for the relationship that deserved that magic reveal a lot earlier to have a balanced relationship and a better understanding of each other. And that really was unfair for, for this ship. I don't know if you agree with me or whether you like that. It was a last minute dramatic thing. I,
1: I agree with you. I don't like that. It was like last minute. I've talked about this at length with um, you and other people, um and I think the fandom mirrors this uh, stance because look at the amount of Magic Reveal fanfic there is um especially with like um early on Magic Reveal uh stories where author finds out like during season 1 or 2 where like there are a lot of stories like the, the canon stories that I have read or rather listened to because this is probably the only way I really get into canon stories is through potfake because I'm that person who will listen to almost anything <laughs> um is where um Arthur already knows because Arthur is actually observant because you know he is trained to be actually observant and to know People to be able to read people so I really like those stories where Arthur secretly already knows that Merlin has magic and chooses not to say anything because he wants Merlin to feel safe and he wants to see when Merlin feels safe enough to trust him with this secret so I really like those stories and I think this would have been This would have been an amazing plot point for the show, honestly. This is not just me, a fangirl, being, like, a shipper. It's just, I think this would have been really great if, you know, in, like, even if we had the reveal that late. Like, that is the only way that I could accept a magic reveal that late. If, in season five, at the very end, in the very last episode, Merlin is like, Arthur, I have magic. And Arthur is, like, Arthur is basically going all... Uh, princess leia and being like i know (laughs) you know this is this is the magic reveal i that would have worked for me if it had come this late everything else or what else would have worked for me is if every season at least one person would have found out like so we have lancelot in the first season then it could have been gwen it could have been morgana it could have been Gwen for fuck's sake let Gwen know i mean Gwen in season three would have been the perfect opportunity to have one more ally to Merlin who knows about the magic. So you could have had Lancelot season one, Gwen season two, Gwen season three, and then in season four, Arthur.
0: I think what also really makes me upset about the way they did it was that they're Like, apart from the fact that this was the final season and that was planned and written that way, there is no actual reason for him to reveal his magic to Arthur in that moment. And I never really thought about it until right, this conversation, because this is not the first time his life has been in danger. At this point, he is not necessarily aware that he's definitely going to die. Like, he's been in, you know, to quote, you know john smith from pocahontas he's been in, big, <laughs> he's been in bigger he's been in bigger scrapes than this you know until he realizes that excalibur you can't get it out without going to the isle of the blessed which sucks um but like i just feel like why why now why now and not any other time like it makes no sense and i feel like that's what also irritates me and like i said i feel like there is absolutely no reason narratively for him to be keeping this past Uther's death. Like I get that up until that point. I really do get it. Like and it and even though it would be nice to have had it like in season 3, no, I definitely get it. But season 4 was well overdue. Like it's by the end. I mean the whole Arthur becoming king, like right at the beginning of season four was just really strange, actually, like for a show to have such a huge climax that early, like very, very weird, like episode three. I don't really get that, but OK. And like, especially after a massive two parter that was like one after the other. And then all of a sudden you have this tragic episode. It's just very, very strange. I don't know. Like maybe They were smoking pot when they wrote it. I don't know. But like, yeah, it should have. And actually, I wrote. A Tumblr post. I'll have to see if I can find it. We can link it. Um, after the season four finale, Ed, because I was furious that we didn't get a magic reveal. Because I was like, guys, take a look at the actual like um, take a look at season four, and really look through it with a fine tooth comb. We have been getting so many throwaway lines about keeping secrets, about knowing who someone is on the inside truly, about um, even in um the sword in the stone part one where he's altering arthur's belt and he's like oh it's okay if there's one thing i'm good at it's keeping secrets again like set up and payoff. like if you're giving a character lines like that that's because you expect some kind of payoff you don't and and if you don't it's it they're completely pointless if you have lines like that the, the the audience expects them to kind of come back in a different way later on and I was like I kind of was like oh it would be nice to have a reveal in season two it'll be nice to have a reveal in season three no when I was watching the finale for season four I was convinced we'd have one because of how much they were setting it up and then there was nothing and I was like what was the point did you guys not realize you were setting us up for one like this se- I mean I- do you feel like season four was a massive setup more than any other season like I don't know if you maybe feel the same as I do
1: I haven't really thought about it. I, okay. Also, I haven't like I've seen season four maybe twice, so Sorry I, not. yeah. But yeah, I agree that it should have come early because they kept setting it up with uh, Merlin making all these comments about keeping
0: secrets
1: and you, you know don't have him
0: any being saved your life, like you know. And I know
1: yeah, and, the... and being so close to being caught every time, I was like it would have to ha- like, it's just unrealistic that he doesn't get caught more often.
0: Exactly. Um. Yeah. The magic reveal was just lazy writing, lazy resolution. And there's a, there's a phrase that I've heard kind of floating around. It's called phantom menacing. It's called, it's basically when you go into something and you're so excited about it. And because you're so excited, you completely trick your brain into thinking you love it. And it, It's not without, and it's not um, before you have some kind of distance that you realize how bad it actually is. I had this with The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and (laughs) 2. Like, I unfortunately didn't learn from the first one that you don't realize how bad a movie or or anything is until you have that distance because you were so psyched for it and there was so much hype around it. And I think we were so thirsty for a magic reveal that when it happened, we were like, oh, my God, it's amazing. And, yeah, the scenes between them are amazing. But it's just, everything about it is wrong. The whole ending to the show is wrong because it's not, it doesn't have the, the emotional payoff that we were promised. All the characters either end up dead or unhappy. There's no hopeful, like, no spark of hope or resolution for any of them. Because even if you'd have had future Merlin and you see, like, a little, like, ripple of water to say maybe he's about to come back but we don't actually see him, nothing. There's nothing hopeful that comes out of this finale. And the magic reveal is just one part of that. And it sucks. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) Like, it's lazy. It's completely lazy, even though the actual watching of it is very satisfying because we've been waiting for it for so long. (laughs) But yeah. um, Yeah. And like you've written down here, why didn't they just make them canon? Last episode. Last episode, I was convinced it was going to happen. And you know this story. You know this story because I was watching. I mean, we didn't know each other back then, but I was watching it live on Christmas Eve. And I swear to God, when he's lying in his arms and he takes his like final words and he puts his hand on the back of Merlin's head, even though I know what these writers are like. And I I, I know it. But there was something about, like, Bradley's face and the way it was shot that I was like, oh, my God, it's going to happen. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, I literally was saying that out loud because I thought they were about to kiss. Like, it looked so much like it. And then obviously they didn't. And I was just like, of course, they're not going to Roxanne, you idiot. But just why not do it? They gave us a canon couple in Atlantis not two years later, like for almost an, an identical premise with an identical time slot for an identical audience. I genuinely wish I could understand why they couldn't have done it for those two. But I just don't. Because if we hadn't have gotten Pythagoras and Icarus, I would have been like, fine, they're homophobic. They just won't do it on that network, blah, blah, blah. But it was two years later, (laughs) and I don't understand. Like, do you have anything to tell me that might make me understand? (laughs) Because I I just don't.
1: my, My take on it would be that Arthur and Merlin as legendary figures are much more like ingrained in the culture like especially British culture yeah uh, or even just English culture than um, Pythagoras and Icarus are or ever would be and like you know maybe this is honestly this is just uh, me gathering wool maybe the writers or the BBC thought that they couldn't, uh, you know, to put it delicately, fuck with the legends.
0: Yeah. Like they hadn't already. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, they've already, they changed so much, but they probably felt like crossing that line into putting a canon gay couple into the legends, even though, you know, the legends, you have enough hints at gay couples in the legends Lancelot and author, you know, they they probably felt they couldn't cross that line. So, you know, and I think that uh, with Atlantis, which is already, you know, Atlantis, you know, highly fictionalized and and even more...
0: And it's ancient Greece, so of course it's acceptable.
1: Exactly. So, you know, there's... You know, that's probably... You know, possibly the reasoning they had, which isn't to say that it's crappy reasoning, but it is maybe what they are, what they were thinking back then.
0: Should we talk about things we did like before we just spiral out of
1: control? <laughs> yes, I agree. We should talk about things we like. You know, I I talk a lot about how how I hate their power power dynamic and how awful Arthur treats uh, Merlin, but. There is still there are still all these things that I do like, like how loyal they are to each other, even though it's unbelievably quick <laughs> for them
0: yeah. to be disloyal <laughs>
1: to each other. I mean we we're going to talk about this or we may have talked about this at this point. I'm currently not um looking at the schedule. Um in the poison chalice where, you know, Arthur is going off to save uh Merlin yeah. from being poisoned. I'm gonna
0: and... get into that when we review the episode. <laughs> but so it's true, yeah, absolutely. So you know that, but also Merlin, who,
1: admittedly, like this is a this is a thing that bothers me. But Merlin is basically being brainwashed into being loyal to Arthur by the dragon. Um, but even so, Merlin is loyal to Arthur basically from the start, and even Arthur um ends up being loyal to Merlin or at least, you know, trust Merlin. Like in, in episode two. I mean and as we've discussed when we talked about uh this episode Valiant, that's like a couple of days after they met and Arthur is already ready to trust Merlin, to be loyal to him in that way.
0: Clearly he knew they were going to be, you know, right for each other, right? Yeah, (laughs) so, you know,
1: so this whole aspect of their relationship, again, no matter how you want to view the relationship, um, they are incredibly loyal to each other, to the point where, you know, it might be slightly codependent and dysfunctional, but (laughs) let's
0: not go down that road. (laughs) I, do you know what, though? I genuinely like Even though in real life, I would never necessarily condone one of those relationships that is like, you know, I only live for you, basically, and you are my life. There's something about having it in fiction where it's just so, like, good. (laughs) And I can't, like, I have written, like, basically, there are so many fictional tropes for ships, you know, out there. And the ones that are used for their relationship can be done really poorly, but they're done so well. Like, I have a list of tropes, which I've read out to Momo already, like my top five, like fictional tropes. And my top one, I call it show, don't tell. Where like, basically the idea is, is that two characters are like way too emotionally constipated to like talk about what they're feeling. Or just have meaningful conversations at all without insulting each other like what these two have but instead they make these like sweeping gestures usually from the point that like the other person either doesn't know that they've done it for them or they do know like but but usually it's kind of in secret because like that's the only way they know how to like show their affection so it's through like what they do and not what they say and I actually have written down I came prepared this week guys um I have written down a list of my favorite moments when they do this for each other. So uh, I've mentioned it before. Merlin literally brings back his mortal enemy from the dead, even though the dragon tells him that she needs to die, not because he wants to, but because he sees Arthur killing the shit out of that dummy with the sword and how much pain he's in and how, when he sees him sitting there in his chambers and he's so done, like, with everything, and he says to Gaius, I couldn't watch everyone's grief when Vathwaite does it. Um, Arthur, when Merlin is uh, kind of almost killed by the Darocca, literally has to be told by his men you're not taking him back to Camelot we need you here Lancelot can do it he is determined to go and take him there personally because it's him and he says he saved my life I won't let him die that's another moment um another personal favorite of mine which isn't as sweeping but it's one of those like smaller moments that I really appreciate when Gaius is put on trial for magic and dragged into the into the prison uh, we've already discussed this moment Arthur like can see that Merlin's about to go for um uh, the the witch hunter and he launches out of his chair drags him out of the throne room and takes him down into the dungeons lets merlin take a swing at him and then lets him yell at him and then he asks what are you doing and he says i'm breaking the law and lets him see gaius which is just amazing um obviously we've got the legendary i didn't want you to be alone literally merlin stays up all night and sits outside without arthur even knowing he's there until the morning just because he wants to be close to him um Merlin literally like putting himself like in harm's way like like for his life and his uh, and his opportunity to have magic be recognized in Camelot for Arthur's sake because Arthur's about to kill his own father and he tells him that Morgos was lying and that she's actually evil and basically that moment when Arthur says I'm indebted to you Merlin and he says glad I could help and he literally admits that he did it for Arthur because he would never be able to forgive himself and he would be up inside if he killed Uther. Um, when Arthur gives Merlin his mother's sigil, another wonderful like, little token. It's a deleted scene, but it's canon, people. I don't care what you've got to say. Um, the entirety of the Poison Chalice, the entirety of the moment of truth. I mean, come on. Your OTP could never. Your OTP could never. Like, I like, please take over because I can't carry
1: on <laughs> yes all right as you can see or rather hear dear listeners Roxanne has a lot of feelings
0: like I just have I just love it when like couples do that and when it's in these fantasy historical like settings it's so much more satisfying and again because they're both guys it's hard for them you know because guys apparently aren't allowed to you know, yeah, show their feelings. They're, <laughs> they're, con- um, they're conditioned to be emotionally yeah. constipated. Uh, like. So it's so much more satisfying to ship them because you can kind of try and s- see their little brains working to figure out how to do it. <laughs> they can't, <laughs> and so they just end up going, oh, "I hate you." You know, and and that's why it's so satisfying. I think that's why a lot of women like tend to ship guys because they're just like. I want to bang your heads together um but like I mean yeah and I I I love all their scenes where they actually talk and stuff but there's something about that like you know historical setting where they're just they you know they're so close yet so far and it's forbidden because you know they're two guys and because he's got magic and because he's a servant and Everything about it is just everything that I love. And and another trope that I love that's done so well in this show is everyone else knows, but they're just not quite like, even though I think these two are aware of how much they care for each other, but they just ignore it. Like they pretend that they don't care about one another, but they do. But everyone around them knows by like, by episode four, one of my favorite quotes from Uther is, why do you care so much? The boy's just a servant, you know, by the... F- fourth season you've got Leon you know joking with evil Merlin about how like oh you're gonna kill Arthur then oh is he getting on your nerves not for much longer you know everybody knows everybody knows (laughs) and it's just like you know Gwen knows you know he's always been there at Arthur's side you know Morgana knows more goes like everybody knows and it's just people on the street know yeah it's like you know just um it's real and how they figure out that denial. And like I said, my favorite way of that happening is like through actions and like through the little things or or the big things like, you know, the sacrifices, but also the little things, you know, Arthur making sure that he escapes when Katrina accuses her of stealing, you know, her seal. Like he didn't know for sure that Merlin didn't steal it, although, you know, it's not really in Merlin's character, but he's accused him for far less, Um, you know, like lets him escape and covers for him without any kind of problem you know it's the it's like those little things but then when it comes to it he'll insult him which is I think another reason why I don't have as much of a problem with the horrible power dynamic thing as you because it feeds into my thing of like they can't be nice to each other but they are nice to each other in the what they do and what they sacrifice but they just can't get it out in words which I love and it's not healthy and I don't recommend it, but it's so nice to like experience through like fake people and like characters. It's great. Yeah. So, I mean, I do
1: like, and I I wrote this down. I do like the banter. Yes. I mean, you know, when they, when they just go back and forth and you can see that both of them are having fun with it. I love those moments. It's the, it's the serious insults where you, aren't sure whether Arthur means it or not that that bothered me but when you actually see them bantering back like even in the very first episode
0: my lord where they
1: have yeah exactly this whole this whole exchange of uh, you can't dress me like this and Rana is like well, watch me
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, literally like, let me bow to you look up at you and watch me because I'm yeah, going to
1: you know this is this is a moment I love because Merlin is just this cheeky little shit <laughs> and Arthur is actually kind of impressed by it and he's having fun with it even though he's like listen <laughs> You are so far beneath me, like all wetting te- over your head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I need to teach you a lesson, but at the same time, I think Arthur is kind of impressed that someone has the cheek to talk to him like this. He's just like, and he's, he's having and he's having fun with it. So you know, these are moments that I love, where Arthur is just like indulging indulging Merlin, at Merlin's. Uh, insults and just like being like alright let's go another round and I, just, is I love those I love. moments the banter is just great it's when it you know when when we aren't sure whether Arthur you know is actually insulting Marlon because there are those moments when Arthur is actually angry and taking his anger out on Marlon then I'm like no this is this is not good <laughs> I
0: think like I think I love all the banter moments as well but I think with the emotional constipation kind of a trope like i think those that kind of does manifest itself in that right because if you've got two men who are like programmed in a way to like not talk about their feelings platonic or otherwise it's going to come out in anger right it makes complete sense that that would actually happen so i feel like it's one of those things where it's like i don't like that it happens necessarily but i get it and it kind of works for the dynamic in that respect because it's like they just don't know how to do it. Like, they're just so bad at it. But I think that, um,
1: I don't think both of them are emotionally constipated to the point where they can't about- talk about their feelings because I feel like, um I mean, Arthur, I certainly see this way because of all the reasons that we talked about in the Arthur episode. Yeah. Where his emotional constipation is very much selected and, and restricted to certain... Uh, people or certain kinds of people And certain topics But uh, for Merlin I don't really see it that way Because um, Merlin hasn't been brought up in the same um, Strict Society that Arthur has He hasn't got nearly the same Kind of responsibilities that Arthur has And I mean, I hate myself for saying this but, Arthur, but Merlin was brought up by his mother Rather than a male Figure and I mean uh, Because of how society, uh, you know, modern society, but this is modern society applied to a fictional medieval setting. So Unfortunately, it's still, yeah. <laughs> so it still applies in this case, you know. So, yeah, even in this fictional medieval made-up fantasy society that is based on legends, uh, we have this uh, conditioning for male characters where they are taught not to show emotions. Especially Arthur, who is raised in part by his father, who is already emotionally constipated for his own reasons. But Merlin, who is raised by his mother, who does show emotion, who is a woman, and therefore allowed to show emotions. <clears throat> um, uh, You know, I think Merlin is is ready to, to be emotional and to be open about his feelings. Like, he talks to Gaius a lot about how he's feeling. He talks to other people... Like I think he talks to Lancelot about how he's feeling and, and other characters. He just doesn't really tell Arthur because he doesn't think that Arthur will actually know what to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> so he and, and 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 then again there's the whole um uh, class thing and, and and how Arthur is the crown prince and Merlin is uh, quote unquote only a servant. And, uh, you know, Merlin probably doesn't feel like he can show his feelings to Arthur because he's worried what Arthur might think of him if Merlin were as emotional about it as he would like to be. But I think Merlin as a character is just like, you know, like we said about Arthur, who is also able to talk about his feelings and to make emotional decisions. But Merlin is also not just able to make emotional decisions. He's actually able to talk about His feelings,
0: yeah, if he's if
1: he feels safe enough to do it. I think
0: maybe what then maybe what I mean in that sense is like if you have Arthur who is emotionally constipated because of you know his father and because he's like a dude and all the rest of it, then what you have happening is you have him taking out his frustrations on Merlin who has very, very strong feelings back but doesn't address them and doesn't communicate them to him and is in denial because. Arthur is treating him badly and therefore Merlin thinks that he doesn't respect or value him. So he doesn't bother, like he thinks he's unworthy and he doesn't see how much he is valued. And the examples that I'm going to give are, for example, like when in the moment of truth, when Hunas says, oh, he must care for you a great deal. He's like, oh, he would do the same for any village. That's just the way he is. He's like, you know, he's like, well, it's obviously not for me because he hates me, you know, or, um, or for example, um, in a oh god I literally just had this in my head Ah, uh, damn describe it the scene we'll no no like episode. literally I'm just trying to think of the actual like I had the like I like I completely don't even know what episode I was thinking or what scene now but it's completely gone out of my head but my point was that he continuously like doubts his motives. You know, like he doubts the reasons why he's doing them. They're not for me. It's just cuz that's the kind of person that he is, you know. Um and he constantly says to people that like, "Oh, you know, he doesn't really care about me." And all that kind of stuff. So I feel like maybe what I mean by like the whole not talking about it is more coming from the fact that he feels like there's no point in saying nice things to him because they're either not going to be taken seriously or you know, he doesn't really care about me back and eventually he does realize that he does care and like he can you know say things you know but um I think at the beginning it's definitely a case of like yeah I'm just I'm just I'm just not gonna really bother but and that's I think where the miscommunication comes from is that is that kind of thing I really really want to remember the scene. I was oh I've got it I've got it okay um I've got it and it and okay so literally when Arthur is like close to death in the crystal cave like the very beginning he's saying like oh that was my point he's in denial even to himself about like how much Arthur means to him like and that's proof by that scene where there's nobody else around but he's like insulting like his unconscious body being like oh I don't really care about you I like I can get a job anywhere and like come on dude like (laughs) you're so not serious and you're very much in love so don't and um yeah so i think that like he's very much like he's very much in denial because of the way that arthur treats him arthur's very much in denial because of his upbringing and unfortunately there isn't a happy middle where they have the truth until the end (laughs) it is kind of wasn't there that tumblr post where again i always reference these and i never know who did them but there was that whole metaphor about how they're called two sides of the same coin and they say but the tragedy of being two sides of a like a flat thing like that is that you're constantly facing away from each other. And it isn't until the end that they finally see the, see each other for who they are and face each other. But then it's too late because he dies. Wow. I haven't seen this post. I have somewhere, but um, I'm very bad at organizing my tags. So, (laughs) and I maybe didn't even reblog it. I don't know. So yeah, that, that was one that really got to me. I was like, Oh man. Yeah. Two sides of the same coin sounds all very well and good, but they're actually facing away. Like, that's their doom. Like, that's kind of their curse that they never really see each other for who they are until it's too late, which is, like, quite. Yeah, and just, oh, can we think of any other, like, because we were on the banter point, like, any other really good, like, because obviously the first episode is full of them. I'm trying to think of any other really genuinely funny, like, banter. I mean, there's uh,
1: there's the one that we already referenced in the Arthur episode where Arthur uh, falls asleep in his soup. Yes, and then.
0: <laughs> I do
1: not have to answer to the likes of
0: you. I just <laughs> love it.
1: Yeah. Or um, is and there then... the chance
0: that we could have a hug?
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and then you know there are there are many like little scenes like that. Even um, I'm just thinking of the one where Arthur has uh, like the the death song of with a Pendragon where Arthur is hiding the horn beneath the. The bowl where the apples were, and he's just like he grabs the bowl and he, he throws out all the apples onto the floor and he hides the horn beneath the, the bowl. And then Merlin comes in and he sees the these apples rolling around on the floor and he's like, "What happened?" <laughs> and you know, there's just, yeah, there are there are these moments.
0: Oh, it's just when like I use it in all my vids where he in the like it's the only really part of the episode I watch r- regularly of the Secret Sharer, uh, three seven. No, sorry four seven. Um, where uh, he tries to get him out of bed and like gives him breakfast and he's like, say ah,
1: ah, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah.
0: cute. laughs> And it's just like the cutest thing. Or well, just anything like that I just really love. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, and also the classic um horse play like yeah. that.
1: And the different the times when Merlin tries uh different phrases to wake up Arthur like up at Adam and wake up lazy days and all these things and he's like, you don't like any of these do you <laughs> No I don't <laughs> or oh,
0: yeah. just you know um what happened What happened It had to do with a servant That's what's happened <laughs> and like like you know basically Oh no wonder this place is such a mess If you're like throwing things all the time and yeah. they're just Well like, and look what I found a cupboard It's where you put things <laughs> <laughs> They're just so married That is it isn't it It's like hashtag married That is basically what it is and um, they just get more married as like time goes on. Oh, I love the one. It's like, really? <laughs> um, what uh, The changeling where he's like walking down the hall with Gwen who for some reason is with them. I don't know why. And he's like, and Merlin, well, it'll be good if the bags got there before they did. And he just like douches him like on the way past like gives him a shove and um there's another one like that in uh season five number one where he's like is there anything that you're actually capable of doing and he's like putting up with you and it's just like oh i just love them so much that's like a classic season one remark like putting up with you this is brilliant and
1: uh coming back to just briefly to um expressing feelings i'm just thinking of um I forgot which episode it is. Um but the one where Arthur is like basically telling Merlin that he came back just for him because Merlin is the most important person in his life, or like his closest friend or something like that. And then Merlin is like, Really? And Arthur's like, No, I'm kidding. And I'm just oh, like No you um,
0: weren't <laughs> I think that's the sword in the stone part two. It's like when they're in the caves, right? And they're like I came back because you're the only friend I have and I couldn't bear to lose you or something yeah, like exactly. that.
1: Yeah, exactly. That one. And and Ron is like, really? And Arthur's like, no, Merlin. And I'm like, yes, you meant it. Uh, yeah. So, Arthur, like, even when he does say what he's feeling, he takes it back because he cannot deal with... You kind of deal with his own feelings. He's yeah. Like, every
0: time he calls him wise and he's like, no, not really. Like I'm like, I was over that the first time they did it. And then the second, like, and then when they kept doing it, I was just like, I'm really over this now. <laughs> like, can we really not? I will say one thing I didn't write down here, but actually it, it really does deserve a mention. Um, The fact that Arthur regularly lets Merlin see him during moments when he's most vulnerable Um. I really love, like, uh, in um da, 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 The the Tears of Uther Pendragon 2, when he's, like, sitting by his father's bedside and he's unconscious and he comes in and tells him it's time to, you know, suit up and he's, like, really upset. Or, like, when he comes in after having just comforted Gwen during the Crystal Cave and he can't, like, uh, he asks, like, oh, where's my sword belt? And he can't untangle the belt and Merlin's like, here, I'll do it here. And it's just like moments like that. I just really love, and obviously the whole, all the sequences where Uther's actually, you know, died and Merlin's trying to comfort him and all the rest of it. And I just love the fact that even in those kind of earlier seasons, he, he let him like, he let him in, like, even though he didn't realize he was doing it, which I just think is so lovely. I'm trying to think of any moments in season one that might have been like that. I don't think we really got any... Oh, apart from when he's really, really, like, broken from the fact that he's caused the curse and the famine and like obviously he has those conversations with merlin where he actually listens to him in the end and he is genuinely upset but we don't really start getting those really vulnerable moments till season two arthur doesn't get that much angst in season one <laughs> it's not till the second season he i love have
1: feelings yet <laughs> he's still learning
0: and i love all those moments because i feel like again it's the show don't tell it's like yeah I'm so mean to you, but you're the only person I want around right now and it's just like oh it's and like he's the first person that he talks to about his feelings for Gwen, which, you know, is really lovely. Um, you know, if I shipped it. <laughs> which, yeah. Uh which I don't. <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, um, I love it. All right. Almost
1: done with this episode we've just got some like top things to cover yeah favorite episode you don't have I one i don't i don't i don't have one i don't i couldn't like when i when i wrote this uh the script for this episode i was like damn what am i gonna pick i don't i don't have one i really don't know like i mean i have a favorite episode of merlin I just don't have a favorite Merthyr episode, so... Um,
0: well, my, my favorite Merthyr episode also happens to be my favorite Merlin episode of all time. Oh, but, uh, by the way, guys, like for, for, for any of these picks, I'm choosing to exclude Diamond of the Day Part 2 in, in any of them, just because I feel like th- there's just so much going on, and it's just so... Different from every other interaction they've had because of the way that it was handled with the magic reveal. That I feel like, of course, if you're really going to go down like favorite quote, favorite scene, like yeah, you're going to choose those because you know that's when their interactions are at their like truest. But I'm choosing not to go down that road. So anything other than the finale, I'm choosing. And it's the poison chalice, it's been my favorite episode all this time. Nothing has topped it in all five seasons. And for Mirtha, I feel like it's the most concerned or one of the most concerned that we've ever seen Arthur where he does something about it in the darkest hour part two he obviously is very very upset but he doesn't actually kind of he is persuaded to not go with Merlin and he stays with his men in the poison chalice he defies everyone he um puts his life on the line as does Merlin they both put the line their life on the line for each other which doesn't happen I don't think in pretty much well, not to that extent where the entire episode revolves only around that one incident. It's got some of the best quotes and it has just some of the best show don't tell, which I've already covered is one of my favorite tropes for these two that I've seen in any episode. And had it been a finale episode or a near finale episode would have been perfect. So it comes a little too soon in a season for my liking, but it's near damn perfect. And I love it. So just, oh, I can't believe it exists. <laughs> and come on now, how could you not choose it? Where you've got the, you know, the, you know, faster after go faster, which is like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Come on now. So yeah, I mean, if you like, could you really not choose one on the spot? Like if you thought, no, no, no that... really,
1: I, I've been thinking about this for weeks, <laughs> and I, I, no, maybe it's because I haven't rewatched the show as often. But I just, I, or because, you know, I'm much more into modern use for despairing in general. Ah, fair enough. I just, I, I really, I can't, like, this will, uh, like, even with the next two topics for this personal favorite section that we're in, I'm I'm just stumped for picking one because there are, like, there are little moments that I like, but there's not, like, one entire episode where I'm, like, this is the best murther episode so you know that's just i
0: i fail at being a canon murther
1: fan i like
0: i mean don't get me wrong i love modern au but i just love them in cat like but but that's so much like i read a lot of fantasy and like that's completely my aesthetic like in my opinion every fictional relationship is so much more badass and epic and emotional when they're in a reality that isn't our own like there's something about it that just makes it so much more heightened for me so that includes like sci-fi fantasy any kind of like thing where it's not day-to-day life because i feel like if things are really blown out of proportion in terms of drama angst everything stakes in day-to-day life it's hard to buy because we live in it so we're like well that's being a bit dramatic your life isn't that interesting you know but if it's fantasy like you, you you can buy into it more easy because you're like oh yeah these people are in danger this is happening this is happening it, it's just brilliant but but i can see like why and i'm the exact opposite like i find with
1: the exception of harry potter au's i find mundane au's where there's no magic more interesting than fantasy or sci-fi settings. Like Harry Potter is the only exception. Like I can't deal with Harry Potter AUs where there is no magic because then what's the point? Uh but like um I'm I'm perfectly happy with Merlin AUs that aren't magical. I'm like science fiction. I like science fiction in T V and movies, but not so much in my fanfic. And the same with fantasy. I like fantasy. I like I even like high fantasy but usually more in like a visual medium than in like to read, like even like one of my favorite book series is Rivers of London, which is urban fantasy, which I like, I I really love. Um, but that's just because it's like modern AU with magic, <laughs> and I like this is this is this is what I find interesting, like magic in a in a modern AU in an urban
0: settings so i'm i'm the opposite there so probably that's that's what's happening here even though all my favorite fix are modern au because i find it really difficult to find a canon like canon fix that i really enjoy like with the with the dynamic like if all canon fix were like truth is a whisper or things like that i would love them but a lot of them i find um a bit uninspired and or very dense. Like it's very rare that I find a fic that's short, like digestible. Like Truth is a Whisper. Like if it's a pod fic, it's just like what is it, like an hour and a half long or something? Or if or just like a few thousand words, where I just want a little bit. I just want like a snippet of what's going on, and I don't need much more than that. Um, and usually it's like you know, like a a lot of them are like monsters. Like that one that we saw there, and it's like you know, thousands and thousands of words, and I just I can't be dealing with it, like, necessarily. Um, So I don't read a lot of canon AU, but I love their dynamic as canon in the show. Um, I don't know if I would watch the Merlin Modern AU TV show. (laughs) Like, I'm not sure if that would be my thing, but I do love them as being, like, medieval boyfriends in love. Um, What have we got next? we have got a favourite quote, and you don't have one still, no? No, I still... Like I said, I like...
1: I like a lot of the really memorable quotes, like the really memorable banter moments between them, or even just uh, heartfelt moments between them, but I couldn't pick a favorite. It's just So
0: I have a few. You <laughs> go ahead. I've separated them into four categories, like one for each, because I felt like the this ship has a lot of quotes, but not necessarily them saying it. So I kind of... I picked one that Merlin says to Arthur. I picked one that Arthur says to Merlin. I picked one that someone else says about them. And then one kind of bonus one, which is a quote that they say to each other. It's not directed to them, but in my fan and head, like it's directed at them, you know? So uh, Merlin to Arthur is, I didn't want you to be alone when he's sitting outside and it just kills me and that entire scene is shot so gorgeously as well it's just perfect um arthur to merlin uh is when uh, in a servant of two masters where they're sitting there in the dark and merlin goes you have a very brave servant and arthur says um yeah you're right i do a servant who's extremely brave and incredibly loyal and to be honest not at all cowardly and he doesn't take it back that's what i love about it he doesn't take it back and it's just beautiful that entire scene is amazing um then what uh, uh one that said about them too and like someone else says it about them and I nearly picked um the one that Uther says in the poison chalice which is why do you care so much the boy is just a servant but then I remembered the one that finished me like completely as a human being and it was when Gaius is and again the secret sharer is not a very interesting episode I don't really like it very much but for the ending, where Arthur sits there with Gaius and um he says, "I'm not the only one. there are many more who believe in the world you're trying to build. One day you will learn Arthur, one day you will understand just how much they've done for you, and it's just perfect and like it ah oh, it's just so heartbreaking and the fact that Gaius like sees and knows how much." Like sacrifice Merlin goes through on a day-to-day basis by loving Arthur and being there for him and he sees it and like Arthur has no idea who guys is talking about but we do and I love that line so much and then the one that I kind of am like I feel like they're like in my Merthyr ship ahead they're talking about each other is in the Hunter's heart at the end when Arthur's got Gwen's wedding ring and he's like saying to you know like he's just let Mythian go and he and Merlin are talking and, um, and he says, what should I do, Merlin? And Merlin says, you must do what your heart tells you, sire. And he says, and if I don't know what that is? And then he just replies with, I think you do. And in my mind, he's talking about himself, even though in canon he's talking about Gwen. But um that is always a scene that stuck with me to the point where I actually vidded it. And I was like, I know they're not actually talking about each other, but I don't care. Like, a lot of people take the scene where Arthur, like, tells Merlin about his feelings for Gwen is like him actually talking about Merlin being like, you know, um, why can't you just submit your feelings and stuff like that? Like that's always taken out of context, like for fan vids and stuff. And this is my version of that scene. Like I just love it. It's just ah uh, so wonderful. But yeah, not like wildly well known ones. I I actually prefer the kind of down low ones a little. I feel like the two sides two sides of the same coin is just so overdone. <laughs> I'm just like, no.
1: <laughs> okay. Then, since I don't have one favorite scene, I don't have a favorite scene. But I did write down that I kind of like all the scenes where they look at each other's uh, mouth yeah, a lot just because they do the that set. a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you can find a gift set before you edit this, like link it because there are ones I'm sure. Um, I have a favorite scene, and then I have like a favorite moment. It's not a scene; it's more like a beat. Uh, I'll I'll say that one first. Uh, his father's son to this day, is my favorite, like, moment that has no dialogue and is just, like, shots, and it's when Merlin is sitting with the knights at the campfire, Arthur's standing by the tent and he's looking at them, and the he is actually smiling at Merlin. It makes you think that he's smiling at the knights, but if you look at the way it's edited, no. He, they show a shot of Merlin, like, kind of having his hair ruffled by the knights, then it shows a close-up of the knights, and then it shows a close-up of Arthur and he has this look on his face like he's so in love like it's insane that Bradley got away with having that face like because it's crazy (laughs) and then the next shot the reverse shot is of Merlin he's laughing he looks down, he looks up, he sees that Arthur's looking at him and then he kind of looks away. The knights turn around and Arthur pretends like he wasn't looking. And I don't care who you are because I have watched this episode with friends of mine that aren't Mirtha shippers. They just see it for what it was meant to be, which is friendship. And they say to me, there is no platonic explanation for that moment. Every other scene I'll give to you, we you know we see through slash goggles, not that one, not that one, my friends, because that is Classic romantic, like editing and storytelling for you, You, like, you know, you can get lost as far as I'm concerned if you're going to argue against it. But the scene is the end scene from The Lady of the Lake. And I know a lot of people are in the same boat as me on that one. Everything about that scene is perfect. It is so tender and lovely. The fact that Merlin is literally like the lowest he's ever been in his life, he's just sitting there feeling sorry for himself. And then Arthur sits on the floor next to him, like, like like a prince and just listens to him complain and you know he's already been so mean to him and he's the, the fact he's actually sat and thought about his actions like what he's been doing to Merlin like the past few days and he just accepts to be like insulted again and he just sits there and tries to apologize and makes him laugh and then does that thing where he like just grabs him and tries to wrestle with him and they have that banter about him being fat and then he just smiles at him with that smile that is just like my favorite shot I think in the entire like, five seasons where he's just smiling at Merlin while he's trying to put his hair back in order. And just that, that's better. It is literally perfect. No other scene is ever going to top it. I legitimately, like, it's the highlight of any other scene they've ever had. Do you like it as well? Like, please tell me that you love it because it's just so good. I could do without
1: the the fed jokes, but yeah, in general, I love it.
0: Yeah, more like (laughs) that, please. (laughs) Like (laughs) like that, please. Because he, see, he did it. He was nice. He can do it, and it's wonderful. And it made me cry. Like I, because when I saw the episode, I thought he was going to start being mean to him. And then when I realised he wasn't, I was like, oh my god, that was beautiful. And it's just shot so prettily as well. And like the way the light is coming through, and oh, everything about it is. I love it. It's so so pretty what have we got next on here um yeah favorite okay favorite fan work yeah i have one
1: <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> i mean you know this is uh, a bit unfair because i like i love a lot of fan works um uh, but one that i keep sort of coming back to is uh, a fan art uh drawn or painted by a little script which is um, a painting which was done for a sixteenth of a twig, another fan artist in the fandom, and the painting is like you have uh, a long canvas, and the upper half is just uh, it's just gray like a like a wall, and then at the bottom of the wall you have a bit you see a, a, a cropping of a bed from like if you were kneeling in front of it or like kneeling um to the side of it and in bed are merlin and arthur asleep with like arthur curled around merlin from behind and he's got his right arm around merlin holding merlin's arm like merlin's right arm and merlin's left arm is lying next to his head and arthur's left arm is like curled around Merlin under his head and they're touching fingers and it's just like my description doesn't nearly do it justice because it's just such a beautiful fan work where they that's just showing such a tender peaceful moment between them and it could be set in in canon it could be set in a modern setting it's just it's timeless like no matter which version of Merlin Arthur you love it just works and it's just so beautiful and it's like one of the one of the first fanarts i i reblocked on my Tumblr <laughs> for this pairing Aww. and it's just uh, i love it i love it so much like i use it as uh, uh a wallpaper on my mp3 player phone and i just i i can't ever bring myself to to change it because it's so beautiful and i'm uh, it's available as a print. I haven't bought it yet because I didn't realize there was a print of it until I looked it up today. Um, but yeah, it's it's gorgeous. It's really it's really beautiful, and I just I kind of keep coming back to it as as one of my favorites. And I just like out of all the fan art that I love in this fandom because we have a ton of incredibly talented fan artists and writers and creators in general. But I just keep coming back to this one because it was one of my first and you know you'll never forget your first
0: <laughs> oh dear <laughs> um, I have a like in terms of art like if we're talking about art uh, I didn't come prepared with like names of like the artists or anything but um, I'll try and look them up before this episode goes up so you guys can actually like look at them but um, one that sticks with me particularly because I had it as a wallpaper on my iPad for a very long time was um the screen cap of merlin with his forehead against arthur's when he's like already dead or like dying and on the thing you've got an across um an acrostic like thing Uh, so you've got mertha written like downwards and then on each letter you've got a different quote that either starts with that letter or one of the words like in the quote starts, so it doesn't all start on the same level, it's like a bit kind of mismatch. Um, and they're all quotes from the final episode, like, and they all fit in, like, with the Murtha. Um, and uh, I really like that one. <laughs> um, another one I love is as well quite sad, but it's a hand drawn one. And it, you'll you probably know who drew this because I'm pretty sure it's quite famous, but it's of um Arthur coming out of the uh lake or the well yeah lake sorry yeah, um it's a lake and um merlin's like holding him but merlin's like crying so like arthur's kind of like they're kind of holding each other but merlin's like crying like because because he, obviously he's like you know very happy <laughs> that he's back um and then the final one i have it's uh it's not a drawing it's like a it's like um like a man it's it's kind of like um a graphic like there's actual shots from the show in it and it's split in two And one is like uh, it's got like a shadow of Gwen being crowned queen. And it says something like there are some stories that must be told. And then on the bottom half is like a shadow of, of I think it's his his mother's sigil. And then the two heads of Merlin and Arthur from the campfire scene. And it says and there are some stories that can never be told or something like that. And it just always like every time I see it like on my on my phone or on my iPad, I think I've got it on my iPad, it just makes me go, ooh, like it's just so good. Um so there, yeah, like in terms of art, like I love those three very much. So but there's so much, as you said, so many. And after the finale there were so many heartbreaking ones as well. Um which I appreciate. But yeah, the art in this fandom is amazing.
1: Yeah. It really is. It really is. It's there's just so much uh do you have any more favorite fan works
0: no not like um not as such i don't even think i have a favorite fic i i love so many of them i mean if i was gonna have like a favorite fic but i've wrecked it before is drastically redefining protocol like it was the one that really kind of stuck with me um it's not too sentimental like it's just really like like nice and romantic but not in like a really over-the-top way but it's really clever and funny and yeah it's really good but um I don't have like one that stands out um to be honest with you unfortunately I've I failed in that regard
1: (laughs) no I mean you know that's that's fair because there is it is hard to pick a favorite like um I just I even only picked that one because like I said it was one of my favorites and it's been my wallpaper for years now and i just uh uh, i keep looking at it and i keep loving it and i keep getting lost in it so but it doesn't mean that i don't love
0: other fan works just as much yeah i mean if i was really gonna like probably pairing pendragon merlin is like one of my favorite fics like I don't even think of it like that. But actually, that's the one I probably would re-listen to like, the most. I could listen to it every day and I would never get bored. So probably that one. I couldn't do that with everyone. Like Some of them would ruin me. <laughs> like I couldn't. But that's really good, that one. Yeah.
1: And with that, we will conclude this first part of this particular topic because while we were recording
0: there's a turn out that we had
1: a lot to say about Murther
0: <laughs> a lot more than we thought so we're going to be splitting it into two parts as we um as we mentioned in the intro and this part has been all about the TV show canon versions of the characters scenes tropes etc and next week you'll be looking forward to all our discussions about the fandom aspect including modern AUs, fanworks, recs etc so please do join us for that that's going to be just as exciting and filled with excitement and love for these two so please come and join us with that
1: Yeah, and in the meantime if you want to leave us any kind of feedback or add your thoughts to what we've been saying in this first uh, murther episode then please come at us you know where to find us on our website, on Tumblr, on Twitter, on AO3, wherever. Come and find us, talk to us, and we will talk back to you. And with that, we say goodbye for today. I'm Momotastic.
0: And I'm a Snowfox.
1: See you guys next week. Bye.
0: Bye.